the Stadium Journey Podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. You can find all of our 2,500 stadium reviews, news items, and other feature stories on our website, stadiumjourney.com. Connect with us on all of our social media channels. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and YouTube. You can find us at Stadium Journey. And you can find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast by searching HIAC Talk Radio Network on whatever podcast app you use or find us on Spotify. Video simulcasts can be found on Stadium Journey's YouTube page. And our classic back catalog, classic Stadium Journey, can be found at vocnation.com. We're still there, too. And uh, for those of you who follow us on Twitch, we record live every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern on twitch.tv slash danlaw83. And now let's take a second to introduce the starting lineup. Dave Cotney's here with us tonight. You can follow him at ProFan9. Mark Vikas is with us as always. You can find him at Ballpark Hunter. The other guy, Dan Kalachiko, is here. Well, he's not here. He's actually on hiatus this week. But you can still follow him at DanLaw83. And I am Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. So a little bit of a change-up tonight. Uh, we're going to fo- focus mainly on our visits over the past couple of weeks. Thankfully, Mark and I recapped our marathon visits a couple of weeks ago. So this episode isn't going to be as dense with visits. So, uh, Dave, you want to get us started tonight? Uh, sure, because I actually have visits and new visits. So crazy enough, isn't it? Uh, so this this past the past couple of weekends have been uh, inter-county weekends. And like I said, the um, I've said before, I don't have a big history uh, in the inner county. I mean, you guys have called me baseball snob before, and and I've I've been willing to take that. Not rightfully a problem. so. Rightfully <laughs> so. You gonna do reviews of these ballparks, Dave? Hey, I already have one up. So uh, there. I'm loading well, it. I was loading it right before we started. So uh, there you go. It'll be up there in you a couple go. Weeks. Very actually, well. <laughs> it'll be up in ten days, actually. So uh, first, uh, I went to. Coat Stadium at the Barry Community Sports Complex, which is home of the Barry Baycats. Now, in intercounty circles, the uh, Baycats are kind of a funny team. They are one of the youngest teams, but they're also one of the most successful because they've won like the last five championships in a row. Um, and in fact, it's not even in Barry. So we, uh, on our way to Wasaga Beach, if we go up, you know, along the main highways, we actually go through Barry, and then um, we pa- we pass the ballpark uh, on our way on our way to Wasaga Beach and, and the cottage. So going past that in the winter kind of you know percolated the idea of actually going there, um, and you could see the ballpark a little bit through the trees, and uh, you know when we had another summer of of nothingness. I figured that that this this was really the inspiration driving past uh, Coach Stadium all those times to to actually go and do some inner counties. So, uh, like I said, it's not even in Barrie. It's in this small town just outside of Barrie called uh, Minnesing. I think I'm I've got that right. If I don't, then I apologize to all of those Minnesingers. Um, it is a it's a small park, uh, but really kind of piecemeal. It's it's 
it's a funny one because it's got some things that nothing else in the intercounty league has, but you know, it's it's still got that intercounty feel. So, uh, like almost every stadium, there is a main permanent structure, and that is you know right behind the plate. Uh, there's a, a small grandstand right there, and then basically past that, there's a series of bleachers, um, and those bleachers are like what you would find. Well, I don't know where you guys would find them because your your high school football stadiums are all like palaces or whatever. But sure. but yeah, for us, we, you would find them in at high schools or whatever. You know, ones that could be slapped up pretty much anywhere and and be slapped up in in a you know in a couple hours or whatever. Um, maybe even you know they're they're movable in in many cases. So that's really what what the seating arrangement is like here. Uh, behind the plate, which is where we sat, there was actually netting. Now you might say, well, why is that a big deal? Don't all bar park, all ballparks have netting behind the, behind the plate? No, they don't. And I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so what was probably unique about this one was that there was a, a video board, a very, very small video board above the, the simple, you know, baseball scoreboard. Uh, we had a good time. It, it's, um, a decent crowd. It's, it's fairly popular. And I would say that has something to do with their, uh, you know, lack of competition in the area. There's not really anything else going around. You know, you're competing with the Blue Jays on the radio in cottage country. Um, and, and they've been very, really good having won a number of times, um, in the last, you know, seven or eight years or, or whatever it is. Uh, you wouldn't know that they've won so many walking in because there is no, there are no banners. There's no signs. There's nothing that says like a championship team plays here. So this past weekend, I, we actually, Jackson and I did like the, we called it the intercounty weekend. Cause we did four games in three days. Uh, all, Intercounty baseball. So Friday we started at Arthur or Arthur, sorry, Arnold, Arnold Anderson Stadium, which is the home of the Brantford Red Sox. Do uh, you guys know what Brantford's famous for? Two things, really. Gretzky, right? Birthplace. Gretzky is one. Wayne Gretzky is one. The Brantford Beast. No, that was Brampton, I think. Brampton. Oh, Brampton. Brampton. I, I got Brampton. the mixed up too many years ago. I thought there was a hockey game in Brampton, but it was Brantford or, or vice versa. Yeah, uh, it is. It's the home of Wayne Gretzky, um, and, and I, in fact, Walter Gretzky, you know, lived uh, lived there right up until his death, and I I believe his mom still like Wayne's mom still lives there, and and uh, the other thing is it was the home of Alexander Graham Bell, so that's that's Brantford mm -hmm. for you. Uh, so the Brantford Red Sox play there. They have a little bit more of a permanent grandstand. And one of the things I really liked about this place is they actually had a big sign that said how many um, championships they won and in what years and how many pennants they won and in what years. Now, I assume that a pennant means, you know, having the best record at the end of the regular season. But I'm not really sure because. You know, we think of pennants in Major League Baseball as like winning a division or winning, you know, the American League or National League or whatever. And the intercounty is like nine teams or eight teams or whatever. And, and that's it. So they're not divided into into uh, 
into you know divisions or anything like that. Uh, again, permanent a permanent um, grandstand. Uh, this one actually had plastic seats, so it was a really permanent grandstand. And the, and the the permanent buildings all are pretty much the same. Uh, in this group, they house a press box, they house um, the concessions, they house washrooms. Sometimes they there's an office in there, sometimes not. Uh, what was interesting about this one is you actually had to go out the ticket gate to get concessions. So you could, if you wanted to, uh, you could walk up and buy something at the concession stand and leave and never go into the ball game at all or, and not have to pay for a ticket or anything like that. So if you uh, want you, that ball fo ballpark food without the ballpark experience. That's right. Now, <laughs> if you're really itching for intercounty ballpark food, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the other thing, same thing with washrooms too, though. You got to go out. You got to go out to, to hit the washroom if you're, um, if you're doing that. Uh, again, after the main sort of grandstand, a series of, of bleachers. Uh, they did have a number of signs with retired numbers, which is which is neat and unique. I hadn't seen that before anywhere else. Uh, now, when I was talking about Barry and they had actual mesh behind the plate, in Brantford, they had chain link, like a chain link fence. And it's black. And the posts are big and thick. So uh, you guys know me well enough to know what my biggest pet peeve of, of ballparks are. I, one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason I'm not a fan of Wrigley or a fan of Fenway. Posts. Obstructed yeah. views. Yeah. So you're getting, you, you sit down and you're like, well, can't really see. I'm going to sit, move two seats over this way. Yeah, I can't see. You're going to move up a seat. Uh, is this the right place? And you're kind of doing that up and down thing. Uh, maybe you've had that if you sat in a press box with like, you know, the window, window panes and, you're, and, the, and the, the dividers there. And you're kind of juking left and juking right. And, and basically, Jackson and I, we sat on, on the third base side so as to avoid that spot. Um, and, you know, I just went back there literally to take a picture or two. Went. This sucks back here. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, intercounty very close to the players. You can hear everything they're saying. Uh, you can hear the other the things fans are saying. So um, arguments between the the fans and umpires or players and umpires. You know, you hear all that stuff. Uh, they were playing Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs in Brantford, and actually there was a brawl of all things. Nice. <laughs> so. You know, not only was there a brawl, after the brawl, you know, one of the Red Sox who got turfed, you know, goes out the clubhouse and is behind. We can hear him and he's talking about how the dude on, yeah, that guy's going to get messed up. We're going to mess him up after the game. And like, really? <laughs> this actually is happening. So, but yeah, that was Brantford. Uh, Saturday, Saturday was a doubleheader and it was at a place close to home and maybe I should be embarrassed to say this, but it was at a place that I had not been in like 40 years. It was at Jack Couch Park and it was the home of the Kitchener Panthers. Uh, so they had a doubleheader against Toronto. It is not a great, not a great stadium at all. 
Uh, all of the seating is bleachers, uh, you know, semi semi permanent bleachers or whatever. The the permanent structure behind um, behind the bleachers behind the plate is, I mean, there's no seating attached to it. It's really a press box and concessions and washrooms, and that's it. Uh, concessions are really really kind of minimal. Um, to make up for that, they they bring in a food trucks. So there's a food truck on on the premises. Uh, and actually, if you go to the website, you can see the schedule for food trucks. Um, I get chain link. It was like watching one of my kids' games, right? Like you're looking through that chain link fence. So that's it's not great. Uh, the Panthers actually had to start the season later than the rest of the league because uh, in Waterloo Region. Where where we are, um, we didn't we were opening up a little bit later than everybody else because our COVID numbers were too high. So as a result, we had to they the Panthers canceled a bunch of games. So this was their schedule. They played uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They didn't play Friday. They played a doubleheader Saturday. They played a doubleheader Sunday. Now that might all sound great until you have to start figuring out who's pitching for these games. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Panther games were, were pretty atrocious. Uh, they lost the first one 20 to two, and they lost the second one 15 to seven, and they went on to lose both ends of the doubleheader the next night too. So uh, it was, it was pretty bad. They just pretty put bad. Out a call for anybody who wants to throw a ball. If anybody could yeah, throw a ball over you know, plate. basically, and it was what, you know, funny is, one of these things, and and maybe you think this way, um, if you're at a game, or maybe you just get up and walk away. I don't know, but uh, it's the bottom. It's seven inning doubleheaders. Bottom of the seventh, uh, the Panthers are down twenty to two, and there's a guy at bat, and and he walks, and I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you taking the- swing the bat? I don't care if the ball goes over the fence. Swing the bat. <laughs> Let's get this over with and move on to the next game. An 18-run half inning, I do not think is going to happen. But anyway. <laughs> and then finally yesterday, uh, not yesterday, Sunday, we went to Hamilton to Carstar Field at Bernie Arbor Memorial Stadium, which is the home of the Hamilton Cardinals. Uh, no doubt Mark would like this place because it was a former affiliated, yes. former affiliated ballpark. So in the late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Uh, the New York Penn League affiliate of the Cardinals yes. was there. It's the, amazing uh, what used to be affiliated. Oh yeah, parks. Oh, oh yeah, no, going back to uh, the ball, the old ballpark in Toledo, or the old Thurman Munson Field in uh, Geneva, New York. That old ballpark, yeah. well in Ontario, St. Catharines, Ontario. Yeah. yeah. So, in in Inner County, you can tell there there are three parks that have been used as affiliated ballparks there's hamilton and there's welland and there's london and you can tell there's a distinct line between those three and everybody else so i mean hamilton not not the greatest park um but it did have a permanent structure uh there were permanent grandstand there there were also you know bleachers down the third baseline down the first baseline uh Paul, you would like this. It, it was kind of McCoy-like in that it was a full story above the field. Um, basically, the ground level was all offices and you know concessions, washrooms again. 
So, you know, if you're that person who likes, you know, ground level right behind the net, you know, at, at, at home, you're, you're not going to get that. Just like this. So it's, it's basically a full story up, which means stairs. Uh, but I, I actually enjoyed the place. Again, you know, they had won a championship. No sign of it anywhere. Mm. Um, no history of, of the Hamilton Redbirds or the previous Hamilton Cardinals, which were affiliated team like, you know, in the 50s kind of thing. Uh, That's they, too bad. Yeah. But- and outside of London, which this year has done a huge job of really showcasing their history and they do a ballpark tour and and all of that kind of stuff the, the history really isn't there and and considering that the intercounty league is like you know look at the 1919 twitter, yeah, yeah. Look, look at the twitter handle wow. it's IB, ibl 1919 the kitchener panthers are from 1919 um wow. you know kitchener. they have a number of of championships they have a number of retired numbers you don't see it anywhere. So, so is that money? Perhaps the Hamilton organization just doesn't have the money to produce these banners. I, I think is- it's, I think it's money. I think it's money across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an amateur league, right? So you, you do get some college players and they do get to keep their uh, eligibility. Um, you know, 10 bucks across the board. That's what it costs to get in. Uh, Jackson was five bucks across the board. That's what it costs to get in. You know, kids are free and you're talking, you know, attendance wise, you're talking, you know, a couple hundred, maybe, wow. uh, maybe a thousand. I think in London, there was probably a thousand there or something like that. So it's not huge, but amazing. Like in London, especially like amazing that, you know, the London majors have been there in, in some form or another, almost forever. Uh, the London werewolves of the frontier league were there and left. Yes. The London Rippers were there for a minute. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tigers, London Tigers. The Canadian Baseball League was there. London Marnocks left. London Tigers left. And all of this time, the London Majors sort of stayed the course and hung in there. Now, is that true? They have the liquor license, whereas some of the independent teams don't? Because when the Rippers were in town. When the Rippers were there, it became a bit of a thing. Yeah. they, they, there was only one license granted for the park and the, and the, uh, the majors held the license. And really, I think that was the beginning of the end for the Rippers outside of like the huge controversy yeah. just, of just being called the Rippers and their logo. And, yes, and, and yes. people were, were pretty upset by that rightly or wrongly. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I, I think the Rippers owner challenged the majors to a, a one game playoff and yeah. whoever won, Cut the liquor license and yes. had to leave. I could just see the London Majors ownership saying, "Seriously, yeah." I don't even know if they acknowledged that. Like, no, it was. If like, they did, they just said, uh, "No thanks." So, yeah, but yeah. anyway, oh, fun uh, times. Ber- Bernie Arbor Stadium is it? It's actually in a little bit different part of Hamilton. Like it's not near, you know, Tim Hortons Field, or it's not near First Ontario Center. It's uh, which are more downtown. Um, Hamilton has this escarpment, so the locals will say it's on the mountain. So, um, and that's kind of the, the generally speaking, the, the better off end of town. And so the stadium is actually on the mountain. It's part of this huge complex. Uh, like I said, a nice enough stadium. Um, you could tell that the Hamilton Cardinals played there, which was <laughs> in some of the other ones, you know, you see one logo and, and that's kind of it, but like there was blue and red 
painted everywhere and uh it felt pretty it, it felt like a, a more of a like a baseball game than some of the other places um they did have an alumni association and they did actually honor the 1978 team that won the inter-county league championship um they they brought in the great-grandson of a guy who ended up playing in the majors who was there when they won the 19 I want to say the 1950 something uh, they won the pony league um, way back then. So, I mean, that was cool, but it would have been great to see it just even like, you know, team photos or, or something. Right. Um, but you know, that's, it's a hardcore crowd. Like, you know, they go, they, they know everybody who's playing, they know everybody who they're playing against and, and they know which umpires to Raz and, and that's how it is. So I think that's pretty much um, going to end up end my tour of intercounty league for this year. Uh, I don't think we're going to go to Toronto, which is the last, well, there's Toronto and Guelph, which we haven't done. Guelph is not playing this year. So we're not going to go there. Um, and I don't think we're going to go to Toronto because it's not an easy way, easy place to get to. There's no parking really. And um, you know, no it's, tickets either, right? They no, don't charge tickets. No, but there's Sound nowhere to sit. Yeah, <laughs> they don't charge tickets, but you know you're you're uh, so you bring your own lawn chairs. Right? You're bringing your lawn chair kind of thing. So it's it's about as bare bones as you can get. So yeah, but like, those are my visits. Tour of the inner inner county league. It's nice to get back to basics, though, isn't it? In a way, it is. You know, it, there is something to be said about about just hearing the sounds of the game, right? Um, I, I one thing I found it very right like. For the Barry Colts of the OHL, it's the quietest arena I've ever been in. They'll they'll pack the place, and you know there's like no like conversations are at a whisper. It's like I, I wrote about it once and called it the library, and then the actual the paper saw our review and then got got in contact with me and said, you know, how do you know about the library? And I was like, I don't know. I just that's just my impression. He's like, well, that's what we call it. <laughs> but in Barry, it was like that. It was very quiet hush hush but you know you could hear everything you, know, you could hear the players talking you could hear that um you know having having coached baseball and, and now my son's playing there's just that inane baseball chatter that just chat chirping about nothing right mm -hmm. so you could hear all that so i mean there is something to be said for that you know the bat just the sound of the bat is that much clearer um but yeah i, I mean it, it was good to get out and and see teams that weren't, you know, the Kitchener Panthers U14 single A team, which is the team I've seen a lot this year. <laughs> that's my son's team. All right. Well, hey, that's any stadium journey to me is a good stadium journey. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And, so, and you're yeah. right. I mean, we talked about some of those like lower stadiums, arenas, hockey rinks. Sometimes you get surprised, you know, even the amateurs, you know, you're like, wow, this was a lot of fun. The people were into the games, the tickets were cheap, the beer was flowing and the baseball was fine. You know, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, that's, that's what I like the essence of baseball. That's what I like the best. Well, and uh, as we'll talk about later, the major leagues tried real hard to find that essence of baseball. Mm. We'll get into that later. So, so, Mark, where did your travels bring you the last couple of weeks? Well, last uh, last couple of weeks, I checked out a, an Indy 11 game. That's the USL championship side here in town. 
They're playing back at IUPUI, which is uh, the campus soccer facility. Bare bones, nothing fancy compared to uh, where they played at Lucas Oil and some other venues in the league. But and good crowd, a good support group, the Brickyard Battalion. They scored two goals when I was there. So the one of them I was recording. I got the goal on video. And just plumage of smoke just burst into the air and you're just covered with it. I don't feel that the smoke lasts as long as it used to. So maybe this is environmentally friendly smoke, uh, but the team colors of red and uh, blue just merge and mingle. So that that's what I like best going to those games is seeing all that going on. It was also $4 beers, but not the, craft beer that they make for the team it's called uh the indy 11 uh lager i, I don't know the exact name but that was ten dollars so i grabbed a couple heinegans plus a tip cost about the same mm. so uh i remember going to those games and the place was jam-packed you couldn't move around now the crowds are a little bit less maybe half the size but still still nice the people are into the game uh, but what I found funny this time is that I walked up the when I, when I left the game, uh, I noticed that there was a car car deck uh, parking lot because it's on the campus of a college major university. So I walked up there. I saw people up there and five step five floors huffing and puffing. And there's these a group of young ladies, college girls hanging out, watching the game, cheering as I opened the door. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, wasn't expecting this. You know, I was expecting a bunch of fans trying to save a buck or two, but they're on the IUPUI college team, soccer team, and they had just played a game there earlier that day. And that's what they do. That's how they watch the games. They live on campus or nearby. They all get together. And except for some of the trees that may be blocking portions of the, the soccer pitch, it's not a bad little view. And it's kind of cool to see soccer from a different aspect. So you know, it's is it going to become uh, Indy's version of Cheap Hill out in uh, Berkeley? Probably not, but a, a nice little crowd up there enjoying the game. And, you know, I'm sure they had a couple drinks, too, that I didn't see. So I think it's know. isn't it Tightwad, Tightwad Tight, Hill? Is it Tightwad Hill? OK, you're yeah. probably right. Yeah. Tightwad Hill. We'll, we'll have to ask Andrew Baus when he comes on. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. It probably is Tightwad Hill. But I, I just like that was just something kind of different to do. And you did get a different a different angle. And once again, they blew the smoke off because they won. So you saw from, from that standpoint, you get a great view of the city. You get a magnificent view of Lucas Oil stadium. Uh, the game was over at nine o'clock. It was still daylight, but it was starting to get a little dark. So you had that, that nice little view. Uh, I, you know, I like the stadium, but you know, the Indy 11 do need their own soccer specific venue. Louisville did it. Cincinnati did it. Columbus did it. Austin did it. Indy's got to step on board. I, they keep talking about building a new venue. I don't know when that's going to happen. Even if they announced it tomorrow, it'd still be about four years before you saw anything. And I just see crowds peaking at 11,000. Now they're dipping into about 5,000, which is still impressive, but Nowhere near how it used to be. So uh, what are you going to do? So, yeah, that that was a nice little evening, quick two hours. But I decided that uh, I want to check out more sports. So the St. Saint Paul Saints were playing the Indy, Indianapolis Indians. So I drove over to the ballpark and got there around the eighth inning. 
which was amazing because that game started at seven and a little after nine, it was the eighth inning, which felt like it was a little quick. Well, Indianapolis was down four, nothing. They tied the game and then they took the lead uh, in the, in the preceding inning. So I saw them score all seven runs between the end of the seventh and into the eighth inning. So I guess I got there at the best part, but yeah, they, yeah, the, the, the center field usher let me in. He didn't care who came in. He's like, yeah, the game's almost over. We're getting our butts kicked. As soon as he said that they started the rally. Uh, once again, talked to some fans there, nice crowd, people sitting on the, on the bleacher seats and the, the lawn section ice cream, uh, the ice cream concession stand was still open and packed. They were still serving beer in the eighth inning, which I was a little bit shocked. I thought they stopped that after the seventh, but people were still uh, ordering uh, drinks and whatnot. So very different type of crowd. You had a very passionate, small crowd cheering on soccer. And then you had this giant crowd of probably 10,000 at one point uh, cheering on the Indians. So it was a nice little double dip of uh, baseball and soccer. And there was also a concert going on across the street at the White Water State Park or White River State Park. There was an event going on at Lucas Oil Stadium earlier that day. I think some sort of drum competition. So a lot, a lot of stuff was going on in Indianapolis this weekend. And you know, it's uh, it was a, it was a nice cool night, not sweltering hot like it was down in the Carolinas. So. I'll take that any day. So those are my two journeys. I didn't do too much. Started school and writing articles and putting videos together. That's what's keeping my time up uh, lately and taking editing videos of other people as well. So I may not get to another stadium in, in quite some time, but we'll let you know when it does. Well, it's that time of year where we start to transition away from baseball into yeah. the into the fall sports. I know yeah. football is going to start. Real yeah. Busy yeah. I'm, lo- I'm looking at that. Uh, Meg's already asking me if I'm going up to Notre Dame. And then I even saw the minor league schedule. Some of these teams are playing up until the beginning of October. So that's right. If I, if I could do a Notre Dame uh, football and a South Bend Cubs game, try and make that happen. And I think the Atlantic league is playing right into October this year. I can see that. But yeah, I'm. You know what? I'm a fan of the uh, minor league schedule this year. They didn't start it at the beginning of April. They started it mid-April to, yeah. to late, or yeah, even late May, May, and they're playing to mid-September. At least in this part of the country, the weather's nicer in it September is. than it, it is. is in April. So no, it definitely is because to me because you, you just don't know what you're going to get in April. You can get very nice weather. Or you can get rainy, cold. It's just it's a it's a mix-up. I, or you I get can't a beautiful day with a twenty-degree evening. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine what those uh, Notre Dame football tickets are going to go for this year if they're if they're any less than a thousand percent capacity. <laughs> Cha Ching. Yeah. Well, I'll try to get a press pass for that one, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Worth a shot. All right. So I guess it's my turn now. So uh, I think my stadium travels are going to sound a lot like yours, Dave, because. Uh, College, summer college ball finished up or is in the process of finishing up. So all three leagues that are in this area. We've got three summer college leagues, the Cape Cod League, we've got the New England League, and we've got the Futures League. So they were all in their playoffs last week. So I hit up a couple of those games. Starting at uh, Bourne in the Cape Cod League. Oh, excuse me. Um, Bourne, let's see. I've been to Bourne in actually about four or five years, even though it's 
the second closest ballpark to me on the Cape. So this, it's an interesting ballpark, Duran Park. It's located behind Upper Cape Cod Regional Technical High School. That's a mouthful. But it's located right over the Cape Cod Canal, right behind the high school. All the work, or most of the work, has been done by students because it's a, it's a vote tech school. So they're training in their various skills, in their various crafts. So they put the kids to work as part of their projects on stuff around the park. So all the electrical wiring, all the plumbing, all of that stuff was done by students. So every few years you see some progress on new, on new uh, parts of the ballpark. Bourne to me has always been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde ballpark. On the third base side of the field, you've got this beautifully terraced berm that could probably see you know, a few hundred people. Then you go on the other side, the first base side of the field, and there's nothing. It's dirt. It's wood chips. There's a rickety set of bleachers hanging out over there. So it's really, uh, you know, a tale of two cities within this one ballpark. What I did notice in the time that I would go, I was gone, was there was a lot of construction. Some new buildings have gone up behind the press box. There is this hill that went up that goes up behind the press box. They've actually terraced that hill. So there's more seating available there. And on top of the hill now are some buildings. I don't know what the buildings are used for. I don't know if they're classrooms, if they're office space, if they're garages or what they are, but they blend in really nicely with the whole aesthetic of the ballpark and everything. And it's created some additional seating, which was really nice. Now, Bourne is not a big ballpark. I think when you have a crowd, they average about a thousand fans a game. When you do have a thousand fans, it's really a crowded place. The night I went there, the announced attendance was over 3,000 people. So as you might imagine, it wasn't a whole lot of room. We got there about a half an hour before the game, figuring as per usual, be plenty of room to set up our shop. We had our lawn chairs. See, Dave, you complained about having to bring lawn chairs to a game. That's what I love about the Cape League. You bring your lawn chairs, you bring your cooler. You don't have to pay for admission. You can just go and you're all set if you, if you plan ahead. We didn't plan totally ahead, but we had our lawn chairs and, and stuff like that. We ended up having to circle the entire field to find an open spot. We ended up in straightaway center field right underneath the scoreboard. <laughs> it was definitely a different kind of vantage point than we're used to. Uh, yeah, the, the crowd was almost 3,100. for the play. It was a playoff game. It was game two of the opening round. And it was one of the loudest crowds I've ever heard on the Cape. So. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the downside of having 3,000 people at a ballpark like that on the Cape, um, nonstop lines to the concessions. So we planned, uh, it, we went in like the first inning and uh, we ended up getting back to our seats by the third inning. So that's not too bad. And, and uh, the nonstop line to the ladies room. Unfortunately, the restrooms are small. They're not equipped for big crowds. So the ladies room has two toilets in it. One of them was broken. So there was one working toilet for the women and there was a line throughout the whole game to get into the ladies' room. And it was a pretty long line, too. How, how uh, far was the drive for that, for that for place me. for you? Yeah. Um, without traffic. Now, the, the thing about getting onto the Cape, I don't know if any of our listeners have ever tried to get to Cape Cod during the summer. Getting on and off the Cape over the two bridges. There's only two ways on and off. There's two bridges over the canal. The traffic can back up for hours. And we had originally planned to go the day before to a game, but, you know, 
put it up on our on our phones, uh, we saw that it would take us two hours to get to the game in Katua. So we called that off. Um, without the traffic, born from my house is a good 35 minutes. That's it. So uh, was it a was it a long drive for you after? Because I can't imagine I can't imagine Pam being happy with the uh, with the long lineups for the washroom. I'm sure you heard about it on the way back. <laughs> no, it was kind of expected. I mean, it was a little worse than expected, but you know, you, you do what you have to. Uh, getting out of the parking lot was not fun. That took a little bit of time. Uh, you know, probably a good thousand cars with one way in and one way out. Took a little while to get out of the ballpark, but it was a nice game. Uh, Bourne ended up winning. They were the dominant team in the Cape all season. I think they only lost like 10 games all year. Ended up losing in the finals, but they won the game we were at against against uh Katuit. so uh, it was a nice time at durant park I, I love the cape league everything about it uh you know you don't have to pay for admission if you don't want to they will accept a donation you give them a donation they'll give you a nice cape cod magazine they'll give you a program they'll give you roster sheets pretty much whatever you want it's got that down home laid back feeling um you can bring your own concessions don't bring any alcohol but if you want to bring snacks you want to bring drinks go right for it Bring your own seats, set up in your favorite spots in every park. They're not fancy. None of the parks are really fancy, but they've all got some nice character to them. So, and the baseball on the field is the best quality summer college ball you're going to see anywhere. One That's out of point. every six players in the major leagues today played in the Cape League. That's just unbelievable to think about that. Over 300 players this year in the majors played on the Cape. So that was Duran Park. The next, was it the next night? Yeah, I believe it was. Uh, the next day was a Sunday. So we went up to, no, it wasn't a Sunday. What was it? It was a Saturday. We went up to Worcester, but not to the Worcester Red Sox. We went to see the Worcester Bravehearts of the Futures League. Nice. Now, when uh, the, the Red Sox announced that they were moving to Worcester and building their $159 million ballpark, Everybody wondered what was going to happen to the Bravehearts. The Bravehearts were just uh, an amazing success story in the Futures League. They were averaging at Little Fitton Field on the campus of Holy Cross, the College of Holy Cross, I think is the actual name of it. Um, they were averaging between 2,000, 2,500 fans per game at this cozy little former independent ballpark. Uh, so everybody wondered what's going to happen when the Woo Sox move in. Well, you don't have to worry about the Bravehearts. Attendance has dipped, but they're still averaging between 12 and 1,500 fans a game, which is really good for a summer college with Bat League. They're second in the Futures League in attendance. The uh, Vermont Lake Monsters have had an excellent first season. That's but, good to hear. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a cheaper alternative to the Woo Sox. You know, it's free parking. Tickets max out at $9. And, you know, you get that like we were just talking about that homey community feel to the ballpark, which you're not going to get at a $159 million ballpark. No, no. Yes. That's, that's yeah. kind of why I like Spartanburg a lot because you had that community feel there. Absolutely. And, you know, it'd be nice if uh, the Bravehearts, cause I, I, for some reason they send me game updates all the time. I guess I got on their email list, uh, but, you know, it'd be nice if they said, hey, let's build sort of like a small little ballpark and offer something that fans will will come and 
that could be the future because if there's still enough baseball to go around in that part of Massachusetts, okay. that's that's just a great success story to hear. Yeah, and uh, that's why I'm wearing the hat I'm wearing. This is Jake the Lion. He is the mascot for the Bravehearts. <laughs> I don't want to be left out. You guys had your White Sox hat on, hats on. Yeah, uh, Fit and Field on the campus of Holy Cross. It's right next to Fit and Field, the football stadium. They're both named Fit and Field in honor of the priest who donated the land back 150 years ago or so. Uh, yeah, the site of Fit and Field is so historic that Babe Ruth has played there. Uh, Ted Williams has played there. A lot of your all-time greats have played on one version of Fit and Field or another. The present-day version was built, I believe, in the 90s for the uh, Worcester tornadoes, tornadoes yeah. of the can Emily, or it might've been there before, but the tornadoes invested in it and brought it up to professional standards. It's a real simple ballpark. It's got a grandstand that stretches around from, you know, medium left field all around to medium right field. Seats 3000, it's got the concourse at the top, go down into the seating bowl. First row of seats are about six rows above the field level. Um, there is an interstate that passes by left field. Actually, my review goes up, I believe, tomorrow of this ballpark. Um, in some of the pictures, you can see a traffic jam, just oh. a bunch of cars on the highway. More reason to it, stay at the game. Yeah, rumor has it that uh, Jose Canseco actually hit, hit a ball onto the interstate when he played for the Tornadoes. Can't confirm that story or not. Living legend. One of those legendary tales. But yeah, it's just it's a nice park that doesn't try to do anything fancy. It's a great place to catch a game. Uh, concessions are really good for a ballpark of this size. You have about 12 different beers you can choose from. Some craft beers, some nat national brands. How much are the beers? Uh, $8 for the crafts. Yeah. So you had them from Wachusett. You had them from Wormtown. And uh, one other place, Finders. Not Finders Keepers, but Finders Founders? Keepers. Founders? Something like that. Founder, I don't know. I can't think of the name of it right uh, now. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Founders. Apologize if that's your How beer. dare you. <laughs> the most impressive concession item was the cotton candy. This was cotton candy right out of a state fair where you go into the machine, you dip the stick in and, and kids were walking around with cotton candies, like yay big. And there was a lot of sugar rush going on during the game for four bucks. You got was, it, was it a cotton candy hot dog? No, no, no. That's, <laughs> that's eerie Pennsylvania. Yeah. Inside joke folks. Yeah. <laughs> How many articles did we have to do about that? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was Worcester. Uh, it was great. And actually, the day after we went, they had 3,500 people for a game, which is just wow. fantastic. That is very impressive. I can't imagine 3,500 people fitting into that ballpark that only sees 3,000. The, the standing room had to be just six or seven deep. Oh, they the lied. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah, Fitton Park is, is nice. They got a parking garage, no charge, right next to the ballpark. Park your car, walk down, right in the ballpark. Um, I will probably be, be back there this fall for Holy Cross football at some point. Um, the football stadium does not hold the same charm to me that the ballpark does. We'll talk about that when we get to it. And my last trip was back to Campanelli Stadium, home of the Brockton Rocks, for a Futures League playoff game on Sunday. Uh, we talked about Campanelli Stadium and uh, the sadness I feel watching the place decay. And uh, going to the game on Sunday didn't make me feel any better about the place. There was maybe 200 people there. But it was a good time. It was a playoff game between Brockton and Pittsfield. Um, had a couple 
craft beers from Shoveltown Brewery. So that made me feel better. Um, had some hot dogs that were not really cooked all that well, but had a nice meal after the game at Stone Ford Restaurant. So that made made uh, made me feel better. The Futures League playoffs, the finals start tonight. It's Pittsfield and Vermont. So that after that, they play tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday if necessary. And that's it for summer college ball in these parts. So those were my travels. So it was good. I think baseball's wrapping up for all of us. We get to start looking forward to the fall sports now. Well, I, I hope not. I know minor league. I know minor league baseball is still around, but you're right. The summer collegiate, it feels like we were just out watching that a couple of weeks ago. We were, and all those leagues have either had their championship or or about to end it. Uh, I know the Northwoods League, their championship is in Kokomo right now. Uh, well, not the championship. Whoever wins plays Madison, but 45 minutes north of me is a playoff game. And I don't think there's a lot of people up there. So I think that's that's one thing that's good to hear is that you went to a playoff game in the summer collegiate leagues and you had nice attendance, even though it was an inconvenience to the bathroom. It's good to be at a stadium with people because, you know, I'll go to Kokomo. That's it's about four thousand. And they may have four hundred there. And you're just wondering, where the heck is everybody? Why is this team not promoting itself? Why wouldn't you want to be here? at this magical place. And since you couldn't go there last year. So, right. yeah, it's, well, you know, I mean, we've all been around baseball and baseball parks a lot and having worked for a minor league team, the story is the same come playoff time. Yeah. Uh, even you know, during the heyday of the Paw Sox, when we were averaging over 8,000 fans a game, the playoffs would run a roll around and we'd have a thousand people there. Yeah. So it just goes to show the marketing in the yes. group sales and the promotion and that is what's really what really draws the people into yeah. minor league baseball. My minor league sports to me are so regional that it is almost impossible to get a carryover audience. So if you're a fan of the Worcester Red Sox, let's say, and they're out of the playoffs, you know, nine 99.999% of the people in your area are done. They don't care. Yeah, right? I can see that well, to the point and- where even hearing who wins is, is it like you got to go and find that information, right? right? Yeah, the playoffs have never been an, uh, uh, an emphasis in the minor leagues. And think about it. The minor league season traditionally ended on labor day. Labor day was always the last game. What happened up until this year in the major leagues on September 1st, Rosters expand. Yeah. So even if your team makes the playoffs, your best players are going up to the big leagues. Yeah. So it just in baseball, the playoffs in the minor leagues has just never really mattered a whole lot. Yeah, you're right. And you do have some anomalies. I know when St. Paul won their championship, I want to say 2019, I think they had some nice crowds at their decisive game. Traverse City Pittsfitters, their inaugural season that year as well, I believe. Uh, they also had some. I think they had almost a sell sellout at their stadium. So yeah, it's for every one packed house, you probably have about 20 other venues. Now I know a lot of modern league teams will offer drink specials and food specials <laughs> to entice people to come out, yep. but you're right. I've been to quite a few Indianapolis Indian playoff games. There's nobody there. I was looking at uh, some videos from 2002 when the Newark bears and the New Jersey Jackals won their championships on respective nights. 
not a lot of people there. Well, there wasn't a lot of people at a Newark Bears game during the regular season. So <laughs> why would I be shocked <laughs> that there was any at a playoff game? And uh, the Jackals game, yes, there, there was a little bit more, including our buddy, the trumpet guy. So it's uh, it was nice looking back at those uh, those two nights. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's odd, you know. Like, but then you look at minor league hockey. The Fort Wayne Comets had ten thousand. It's a different animal. Yeah, it's a minor different league. animal. Yeah, ten thousand people on July first to watch a championship hockey game, and I didn't even know about it. That's the thing that kills me. I would have would have taken the drive up there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, so one takeaway from this episode would be to not sleep on some of those smaller places, the smaller independent leagues, the summer college leagues, division one, even, Hey, even like division three, there is some quality baseball and fun times to be had just by the simplicity and stepping back in time. And that will segue us into our last topic of the evening, major league stepping back in time and going back for that different era, that different um, atmosphere that was had at the field of dreams game. And Mark, I guess I'll start with you, since you are the ballpark hunter. What was your, what were your thoughts about the game at the Field of Dreams site? Have we actually, first of all, have we all been to the Field of Dreams site? I have. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was there. Okay, uh, twenty two thousand eight. So it's been okay. it's been a long time. So we can all comment on the site as well. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's you know between that and going to Four Corners in Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Utah. My God, you are <laughs> driving forever to get someplace, but. Yeah, that that was pretty. That was pretty long. Oh, I love the fact that the uh, Tim Anderson just walked off, walked off home run against the Yankees. <laughs> it was great to see them lose. I, I can't stand the Yankees, and it was uh, they had won that game. I would have probably not have liked it as much. So, uh, it you know what it uh, it was it was a winner for baseball. It was Major League Baseball's highest rated program in sixteen years, I yeah. believe. 5.9 million viewers. Yes. A lot of people love this movie, uh, Field of Dreams. I didn't get all goo goo gaga about it like some other buddies of mine or people on different websites. But it worked. I love the cornfields, the players coming out of. I love the old scoreboard. I love the simplicity of things. Uh, it, it was a nice <laughs> evening, and I think people really enjoyed what they were watching. I don't know what it would have been like to take in a game with amenities or whatnot. I saw that there was a lot of long lines going down to the field. I know there's like two hotels in the area. Yeah, I can yeah, only I imagine the traffic what, was just unbearable. I, I can imagine the access in the neighborhood wasn't anything spectacular. And from what I can remember, I mean, I think you're 45 minutes from Dubuque. Uh, probably saying that or Dubuque, Dubuque. 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 Yeah, so. You know, there was for a fan to watch it on TV, it it was a nice night, something different. And I'd be curious to see what Major League Baseball does next year. I know they're going to have the Reds and Cubs play right out there. And uh, I'm sure they may find some other movie sites to stage a game in the future. So maybe baseball's on to something. So I'm calling you out on the on the simplistic factor, because that game was more produced. Than yeah, you're going to steal game. my point, Dave. You're going to steal my point. Holy Well, it, it was a simple stadium, but you're right. I see what you, yeah, I see what you mean. It was like the cheese factor yeah. was just over the top. <laughs> yes, it was. I, I liked some of it. I liked the players coming in from the corn. I thought that was kind of neat. 
Uh, if you and if you didn't think that was going to happen, there's just something wrong with you, or you haven't yeah, seen the movie yeah, yeah. or something. I, I mean, I liked. Did the Yankee uniforms change at all? <laughs> but I liked. I liked the uh, White Sox uniforms. I liked that Kevin Costner was there. But I for a long time. Holy crow! That like the backdrop music, seriously, and it was like this this moment of silence, and Kevin Costner gives the speech, and I'm like. Wow, this is just like, this is just over the top. It was, it was, but it here. worked. It worked for them. It, it did. It did yeah. work. Will it work twice? That's, that's what I'm. Curious. That's really yes. a good question. And and one thing that kind of came to mind today when I was sort of thinking about this game is, is this the Major League Baseball equivalent of the Winter Classic? Uh, it it could be. Well, this isn't the first alternate site game Major League's done. They've done a game at Omaha at the College World Series site. They've done Fort Bragg in North Carolina. But Um, but this one got a lot of attention. Williamsport, I believe, as well. Williamsport, yep, that was one I couldn't think of. And then they did a civil, well, the civil rights game in Memphis. Was that a regular season game or was that? I don't know. Yeah. But this got a lot of attention. And it got a lot of attention from non-baseball fans. Even my wife asked me about it i had people sending me messages about this game that never talked to me about baseball they know i'm a baseball fan so this this one got a lot of attention and and it probably produced a lot of money i don't know how much baseball ranked in major league baseball properties but i I can see this going the route of the winter classic now will they always play it in iowa i don't know i would love for them to play a game in birmingham at rickwood field the oldest ballpark in the world i'd love them to play a game at where they shot a league of their own in huntingburg indiana uh expand that stadium a little bit just to increase the the crowd so we'll see they could be on to something it could be a flash of the pan but we'll always have feel the dreams 2021 (laughs) I mean, for the most part, I liked it. Um, I, I can't say I watched it live because I was out watching the 14U single A Kitchener Panthers play. Oh. Um, they they did not tweak their schedule for the Field of Dreams game. I guess. What's wrong with that? I know. Um, but but here's a couple things that I thought of that that worry me. So I'm okay if this is like a thing. If if they decide they're going to do this once a year. Um, and even if they do it once a year in Iowa, I'm okay with that. But here's here here are a couple questions that I have. Uh, who paid for the stadium? Who's maintaining the stadium? Like, is this is Major League Baseball doing all of this? Are they doing the maintenance? Like, or are they going to walk away from it? Like, you know, like some of those. World Cup soccer stadiums that are in South Africa, or, right? or the, the Olympic venues in Sochi. Exactly. Well, I, think, I think they're exactly. dismantling. I think they're dismantling the stadium. The original plan was to dismantle the stadium, um, but now that they they've announced a second one, I got, I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah, and and I don't know the engineering of it, but you know, light standards and mm. you know, one thing that st- stuck out as not. Being simple is the video board in left field, right? They had everything was, you know, they did the the back, uh, the, the, the fences in the back so that you could see the corn and kind of the, the wooden, you know, over the top. And, and they made it look like wooden fence behind. And that was all cool. Of course, they had spots for advertising, of course. 
but yeah, they had a, a video board out in, in in left field, which I was like, yeah. If you advertise it, they will buy. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, but here's another question I have, and, and and we think that you know this is this is on the site, like they did not take the diamond where you and me and everybody went you know no. to see that diamond's still there right they, they they picked a new part of land and just created their own thing um are they now monetizing a, an excursion that was that was free right like is this going to be you know if you're going to go to dyersville iowa and you're going to go to see field of dreams is it going to cost you 20 bucks for admission. I don't know. It cost me a lot. I bought so many damn souvenirs. <laughs> but that's your choice. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, I do bought, know, Dave, that they're going to, they're going to rent out the ballpark they for the, the major league game, mm-hmm. like for local teams, Babe Ruth tournaments, whatever, what have you, they're going okay. to be using that field. So, and I, I think I read somewhere that there's some minor league, there's some minor league games that are going to happen there as well. Like really in the not too distant future. They but, must be uh, leaving the stadium up now then. Hmm. I would think so. Like, did, did any of our Iowa correspondents check out the game by chance? James Hilchin did do a article, but I don't think he was at the game. Oh, he was. Okay. Right. Right. And and huh. did I not? Did I hear this correctly? That tickets were basically reserved for Iowa residents. Like, yes, the lottery was only for Iowa residents. So, so it was either everybody in the stands was from Iowa or there were a lot of Iowa people who made big bucks on yeah. selling their tickets. Well, on there stuff was, yeah. There was a guy who sent me some video. Who what was the was, uh, price for scalp tickets? Yeah. Does anybody know? I have no idea. I didn't look it up. I don't, know, I don't know either. And I, and I would say the best to me, the best part of the, of the cheesy factor was um, when, when Kevin Costner said, uh, is this heaven? And then the crowd yelled yeah. out, no, this is Iowa. <laughs> so I thought yeah. that part was cool, but yeah, no. See, it, I, it, I, it's left me with a few questions going forward. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll see. I'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can capitalize on this or how they choose to try to make it more of an annual event. Well, I mean, the, the funny thing is it's not as if they're playing at this historic site. They're just playing at a very popular site from a movie that came out 1989, 88. I, you know, it's – they could have filmed that movie anywhere and Major League B, you know, would have eventually gone there. But, yeah, it's it just becomes so synonymous, you know, with one of the all-time greatest baseball movies. Not one of my favorites, but uh, it just uh, – it's just a movie that was just so original and supernatural in some kind of way that uh, everybody can still quote it and knows knows what you're talking about. Uh, I know the there was the normal corn belters. I think they had corn stalks in their outfield for a little while, and the Lake County fielders, the infamous Lake County fielders, are trying to employ that message as well and the and Portland Sea Dogs do that once a year as well. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, you could go to Iowa and still see baseball. You could go to Clinton and you can see the Lumber Kings and you can go to Burlington and you can see the Bees, you know, former uh minor league baseball teams and you can see Waterloo Bucks, you can see the Cedar Rapids Colonels, Quad City River Bandits and of course the Iowa Cubs. So you can still see a lot of baseball in Iowa. 
But you this can't last minute has been brought to you by the Iowa Bureau of Tourism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people were ticked off that, oh, they're, they're talking about playing a baseball game in Dyersville. What about getting rid of two minor league teams in Iowa? So giving some shout outs to the Bees, to Kelly, to Ted Turno up in Clinton. Guys are still playing ball. We'll, we'll know that Major League Baseball is taking it too far if they rebuild a municipal stadium in Cleveland to have a, a, a major league game in yeah. Charlie Sheen. If they try to well, recreate the Sandlot. Yeah, it was, somebody brought up the Sandlot. That was a great discussion on one of the Facebook pages. And, and you know, it depends who you get on that page. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to play in a municipal area that is – too small for a baseball stadium and boarding houses and it's just not going to work. I'm like, Oh my God, guys. Somebody took it a little too seriously. I, the, Sandlot, took a little serious. the Sandlot is an insurance company's yes. nightmare. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Gonna... yeah. What major leaguers are going to play on a field? That's it, quality it, of a it's Sandlot, an all right? dirt field. Yeah. Watch, in the ba- watch out yeah. for the glass down at second base. Yeah. They're, they're going to put like a junkyard <laughs> in the back with a dog. They're going to put a tree house. Oh, they, they took it seriously there. And then, you know, it's but that's that's what I like. You know, people can rant, argue about politics. We argue about ballparks and baseball teams and what what city should have a team and what should they do with the Field of Dreams stadium. Uh, but if they're going to keep that up, you know, maybe maybe one of us can make that trip out there. Maybe a summer college league team will, will move in. It you know it it could happen. I don't know how many it seats, but it's uh, eight thousand. It's at 8,000. Oh, that's all. Okay. I thought it was a little bit bigger, but yeah, it, it, lo- it looked like a fun place to see a game. Somebody sent me a video from the upper deck. Well, if you could call it the upper deck and you just saw an angle that I didn't really notice when I was watching on TV, when, when Anderson hit that blast, it just cleared like a ton of cornfields. So good times out there. Nice. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great event. No doubt about it. We'll see, like we said, we'll see what happens going forward. So uh, I guess that's where we'll finish things up tonight. Wow, for just a, a quick conversation again, we can't do anything quick here. We're no, over an hour. No, no. So again, thanks for hanging in there with us. Thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, everybody. Um, Dan wasn't with us tonight, but he'll be back in two weeks. And you can follow him on Twitter at DanLaw83. Mark, what do you got planned for the next couple of weeks? And where can our listeners follow you? Well. Just getting back into the thick of things at school, but um, still looking at checking out a baseball game in Columbus and checking out the new Columbus Crew Stadium. I'm just kind of debating if I if I go in September or October. Uh, I have options. Same thing with Chicago. There's two new soccer teams up there playing at the same stadium, SeatGeek Stadium, the Chicago Red Stars and the Chicago House. They're playing on a Friday and a Saturday, so that makes life a little easier for me. So would love to fit a White Sox game in there as well. So uh, I may be at a ballpark. I may be at a soccer match. Who knows? But check check what I do out on uh, Ballpark Hunter on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. I have new videos from the Carolina trip coming up, Duncan Park, Johnson City, Pioneer Park, or Riverside Park in Elizabethton. So New new stuff on there. Not the young Mark with less fat on his chin, but 
the older, more mature mark. That's why the goatee goes a little longer than it used to. You hide some of the chin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave, you got any stadium journeys planned for the next couple of weeks? And where can our listeners follow your journeys? Uh, Twitter, Instagram at Profan9. I do have uh, my official stadium journey visit coming up for the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm going to redo the um, redo the review for that. Uh, literary journey still continues, even though I am uh, out and about a little bit. I uh, just finished two really, really fascinating ones. One was called uh, Call Me Indian. It was uh, by Fred Sasaskamoos, who was the first Indigenous player uh, in the NHL, played for the Was Chicago he from Saskatchewan? He was, actually. <laughs> uh, first Indigenous player in the NHL. He played 11 games for the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Ironic. And and really, uh, yeah, actually, interesting take. You know, call me Indian. He likes being called Indian, which is not mm, current. I don't know. PC. Um, yeah, he liked the Blackhawks. He liked the whole thing about the Blackhawks. Uh, he, that was a sense of pride for him, but not everybody is like that, of course. Uh, unfortunately, he just died in uh, in 2020. I think November of 2020. So. Uh, he just died like a month or two before his book came out, but really fascinating. A lot of talk here up here is about residential schools, um, and he was a, a survivor of a residential school, so that part alone was was pretty pretty Ooh. somber. Gave uh, me a chill when you refer to him as a survivor of school. Yes, Ooh. yes. There's a you know in the news now they are discovering like tons of of children who have been buried at at former residential schools like the last residential school closed i think in 1990 but yeah it's survivor is 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 uh, an appropriate word i think um the other thing i found was i found this book from 1984 uh it is called foul balls and uh if you do not recognize that stadium that is the infamous you know we know famous is everybody knows you for doing something good infamous is for something bad, that is the infamous Exhibition Stadium, uh, former home of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Foul Balls was written by Allison Gordon, and I didn't know this. She wrote for the Toronto Star um, before she became a novelist, and she was the very first regular female beat writer in the American League. So really fascinating take on you know crossing that that line. Um, just after, you know, it was Time Magazine that sued Major League Baseball for uh, their female reporters to have access to the to the uh, locker room. And so Allison sort of followed that. Uh, interesting takes. I mean, Paul, I sent you some. Um, one was on Yankee State, old Yankee Stadium, and how she described it is exactly how we describe new Yankee <laughs> Stadium today. Uh, totally worth it. Great, great story. And and again, unfortunately, Allison Gordon is also passed. So uh, she's not um, she's not around uh, for me to say how much I enjoyed that. But anyway, follow all those uh, adventures, Profan 9. And as for myself, I will be doing my official stadium journey visit to Fenway Park this Sunday. Um, I don't know if like, you know, can you guys think of a better way to celebrate your anniversary? Because that's what we're doing. Fenway Park, again. <laughs> um, 
we're spending the whole weekend in Boston. So it'll be a good time and we'll cap it off with a Red Sox game. Uh, the following weekend will be Labor Day weekend here in the States. Uh, my planes are up in the air, but, you know, I do have a couple of tickets from a rainout earlier this year in Scranton that are just burning a hole in my pocket. So Scranton, Labor Day, maybe. And Scranton then, Wilkes Bear. Yes. Well, Musick. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, in Musick. Yeah. And after that, it'll be football season because a uh, big announcement for me. Uh, for those of you who do not follow me on Twitter, uh, I will be the new PA voice for the UMass Dartmouth Corsair football team. So my Saturdays and Sundays, since I already do uh, football and basketball for the basketball, uh, do for the men's and women's basketball teams as well, for UMass Dartmouth and for the Boston Pride, I don't think I have a free Saturday until March. <laughs> so, um, but not complaining. It'll be a blast. Looking forward to it. Um, you can follow all of my stadium journeys on Twitter or Instagram at PuckmanRI. And don't forget to visit StadiumJourney.com to find all of our stadium reviews, news items, and other feature stories. The review, Dave, I just loaded or started to load one of your reviews that you talked about, the Hamilton Cardinals. That is Stadium Review 2551 on our website. So you can find them all at StadiumJourney.com. Connect with us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, comment, and share all across the internet. To find audio versions of the Stadium Journey podcast, search the HIAC Talk Radio Network on your podcast app, or just look for us on Spotify. And video, video simulcasts of all of our podcasts are posted on Stadium Journey's YouTube page. If you're looking for our classic back catalog, you can find that at vocnation.com. Remember, we record live every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at twitch.tv slash danlaw83. And be sure to join us in two weeks when we will be joined by Michael Harris of In the Ballparks. So we'll be talking more minor league baseball. For Dan, Mark, and Dave, this is Paul wishing you all safe stadium journeys and close games. Hope to see you on the road real soon. <laughs>